Hey, I'm Dan, and if you're new to homebrewing, so am I. Welcome to my adventures in homebrewing. Hey, everybody, it's Dan, and it's that time once more to go around the world one more time and have a beer or two along the way. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, so I gotta say thanks to Fred and Melissa for being on the show last week. Um, we were having a little bit of issues with the audio, so give me a little bit of time to get that stuff out there, um, mainly because I am having to splice through a lot of dead spaces because internet was lagging on both ends. So it kind of starts, sounds like a stop, stop kind of conversation, which gets a little frustrating at times. Um, but honestly, talking to Fred and getting to know him, awesome guy. It's pretty impressive what someone with, who is um, visually impaired can go and make beer the way he does. And uh, with the guys with the homebrew happy hour, uh, he placed in the, I think he said the top 16 of their homebrew competition. To me, that's pretty impressive. So we'll be talking to them later on down the road and things like that. And there's a couple of new cool new projects coming along the way. Um, I do have a Berliner vice working away and working away in a, in a glass carboy. So if anyone has any advice on, on making Berliner vice, let me know because uh, I don't see a whole lot of activity in, in the fermenter. It's, it's bubbling away, but it's not a whole lot of activity, but we're moving on to today. So, this week, we are going to talk to Mississippi Mills Malting Company. So they are a brand new company that's going to be officially opening, hopefully sometime soon down the road in Pakenham, Ontario. And they're going to be doing craft malt. So we have craft beer, which is like a lot of love, a lot of dedication into it. And here's something that we all use that's going to be going into our beer with the same amount of love, the same amount of dedication, and a passion for beer. So we're very fortunate to have the owner, Dean, with us. Dean, how are you, bud? Great, man. And thanks so much for inviting me on the show. This is fantastic. Oh, thank you very much for agreeing to it. You, like, like we were saying before in our little talk, is you have no idea how excited I am to have you open up because I got a feeling I'm going to be coming to see, what can I take for a sack or two along the way to go home? Because <laughs> I, am, I am so excited to get like real craft malt into my beer. Oh, man, I can't wait to have you for a visit and take you for a ride around the field in the combine, give you like some firsthand oh, experience nice. where this comes from, and then have a beer at the end of the day with you. Watch the sun go down. That'd nice, brother. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, it, it's kind of funny how I got here a little bit. Like uh, I'm an accountant by trade, um, and uh, I specialize in, in uh, financial crime investigation. And uh, anyways, that... That had me on the road quite a bit. Um, at the same time, my wife and I took over our family farm that's been in our family for a few generations. And, uh, and I had this crazy notion that I wanted to start farming again. Uh, so, so I did that, we did, we did that and bought some equipment and grew. And I thought, well, you know, I'd like this to be a bigger part of our lives. I'd like to be more uh, back home you know, how can we, how can we do that? And we looked at different things like, you, you know, maybe grow the footprint of our farm, but that just didn't really fit with us. Um, so we started to think about like, how can we add value to the crops that we're growing here? And in any ways, I don't know exactly how it happened, but I landed on this idea of, of malting barley. Um, so that, that's sort of where I guess the idea you know, it germinated to maybe use a bad uh, pun uh, perhaps, but uh, anyways, uh, so I thought, well, like the first step is if I'm going to, you know, malt, then I, I should probably know a little bit about my customers. So I should start to brew beer. 
And that was maybe seven or eight years ago. And I thought like worst case scenario, you know, at least I learned how to make my own beer, right? Even if it, nothing. It's a rabbit out. hole. Once you start, it's, it's, it's a nasty spin. Oh for yeah. You accumulate saw, for gear. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I think I saw Alice and the cat down that rabbit hole. I got, I got <laughs> yep. in pretty deep. Uh, anyhow, so we just uh, kept putting one foot in front of the other. And, uh, and now we have this like amazing facility that's almost ready to, to start and a, a grain full of nice two row uh, raw barley to malt. And, uh, you know, we're literally probably days away from pressing the go button. Uh, now. Nice. That's awesome. So you were saying the investigative side of of accounting are you talking things like fintrack yeah like financial crime investigations okay. that kind of type of stuff yeah my former life i was a military intelligence operator so oh, neat. so i dealt with fintrack and all those guys every now and then down the road doing stuff so i know oh, i have an idea what you did so we'll yeah, move on to what we're actually supposed to be talking about your beer uh, someday <laughs> <laughs> that's it so um how about we talk about what the process of making like um of of making like malt is like how do you go about it i mean it's not just go and you harvest it you dry it you kill it you kill it you know kill it kiln it and then away you go there's got to be a lot more to it yeah you know it's really cool because like at the heart of it it's really really simple right like you're letting a seed start to germinate and at a certain point you're you're stopping it but but there's just a ton of biochemistry that's behind that, right? Like, uh, it's sort of like the rabbit hole, right? Like, the deeper you look, the more you learn, the more you realize there mm -hmm. is to know. Um, but, um, but you know, you're right in the first steps. Like, it's like, um, you know, as a farmer, when we're growing grain, um, you, know, you put it in the soil, you need the soil to be warm and, and be moist. So you're kind of mimicking that in the malt house a little bit, right? When you're, you know, you hydrate the grain in water, you steep it get the moisture up to 45%, let it continue to germinate under really nice control conditions so you get consistency and, and good quality. And that, uh, then at a certain point, um, when the grain is germinated just to the right extent, you dry it down to stop that process. And then you can, uh, like you mentioned, kiln it to get different uh, colors and flavors. Mm -hmm in other processes but it's um yeah it's quite quite simple i guess in principle but very complex uh, at the same time okay so when you're um when you're hydrating it is it inside of a a, a vessel i mean i've seen um documentaries I can't, i'm gonna sound like one of those guys i've seen documentaries where they've yeah. actually had the malt on floors and they're hydrating it and they're raking it and things like that or are you using an actual vessel to get, get it to where it needs to be for its hydration and yeah. then draining it. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Like um, there's different styles of malting for sure. Floor malting is, uh, is one that you see like a lot with craft maltsters, um, uh, but, but quite often, even when you're floor malting, the first step is to hydrate it in, um, in some kind of a, a vessel, right? Like in, in like ours and a lot of them, they almost look like a conical fermenter. Like they're very, very uh, similar. Like, uh, so it's a conical style vessel um you know you usually have the ability to um, or, or often you'll have the ability to control the temperature of the water that goes in so you, you put your grain in uh fill it up with water and and let it soak and um you know uh, some of them uh, have and, and ours does has the ability to aerate it to keep the oxygen levels up and, and some other sort of environmental controls around it so 
You let it soak uh, for a certain period of time. You drain that water out and let it just rest in uh, what they call air rest. Um, and you go through that cycle a couple times until your grain gets up to about 45% moisture. Um, and, it, and it's all about like keeping the grain healthy, controlling its, uh, its germination environment. How do you keep it from going like rotten? Because I know like if things get too... Uh, too damp or too hydrated or whatever, they begin to rot. Um, how do you avoid that? Yeah, like um, for our system, anyways, um, like that that can happen. So when it's um, when it's uh, soaking in water, we have air injection that injects oxygen and it keeps that dissolved oxygen level up nice and high. When it's air rest, there's um, a CO2 ext extraction blower that uh, sucks clean air down through the grain bed and extracts the CO2, and that's all to to keep that uh, the, the the grain respiring really nicely and keep it nice and healthy as it's uh, going through the steep cycle. Is it the same kind of process for wheat malt? Because I'm I'm assuming barley and wheat are it's it's got to be two different steps. There, yeah the the process is the same. Um, you know the times may vary a little bit, uh, but but essentially you're you're doing the same thing. You're allowing it to germinate, right? And and so that when it starts to germinate that starts to activate enzymes, um, starts to break down the cell walls and the beta-glucans, um, make that starch available then to, to us brewers, right? To be able mm -hmm. to convert the sugars and, and then ultimately to ferment. Uh, so it's, it, it's quite similar, Dan, but uh, with just the, uh, some of the parameters around time and, and, and that change in temperatures change a little bit. Okay. So why don't you tell us about some of the gear that you have in the background? I mean, that's a lot of nice shiny gear behind you. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool stuff. So this uh, this system that we got, we bought it from a company uh, called IPAC in Wisconsin. They they manufacture this stuff. It's a uh, it's a fully automated uh, malting system. Um, so uh, what that means is essentially you have like uh, different malt recipes that you program in, and so you program in all the parameters in terms of like times and temperatures and humidities, and the equipment well heat and cool and, and humidify and, and do everything it needs to do to try and stay within those uh, those parameters. Um, so it's um, it's a modular system. So we have one steep tank and because uh, the malt's only in there for a couple of days, it'll supply up to three germination and kilning vessels. And, and that's the piece that you're uh, looking at, Dan, uh, there. And uh, so then it goes into that germination and killing vessel that's there for the rest of the week that controls the environment um, like the, it reads uh, and monitors the moisture and humidity are going in and and likewise coming out and it'll turn on a sort of furnace glycol chiller misting chamber as it needs to to, to maintain that um, and then everything is data logged so that you can see how it's trending or look back oh, nice. if there's issues and, and troubleshoot um, and it's all um, web connected uh, as well so that um you know uh, our manufacturer can help us out if we need help um mm -hmm. there's a, there's another uh, malt house in, in uh, saskatoon uh called makers malt they have the same equipment so matt ends out there fantastic guy he he helps me out a lot here too nice. get log in and see how things are going and then uh and then we use that uh, Aaron McLeod down at the uh, Malt Quality Lab at Hartwood College uh, for all our testing. So he tests all our grain coming in and he'll test all our malt going out. So he can even log in and see like, uh, you know, fantastic. The, yeah, the data from our last batch of malt or, or parameters. So, so yeah, it's a pretty, we're pretty lucky to have the system. 
So what are you looking at for making for malt? Are you look obviously a two row, but are you looking at doing a Pilsner, any specialty malts? Yeah, we'd love to. So I think we're going to start out with something that's very simple and straightforward, something that's pretty like, uh, you know, universal in terms of its use, use. So maybe like a pale, a pale malt, something like that. We'll get that dialed in. And then, uh, but what really excites me is um, the collaborations and the experimentation. So whether that be different malt recipes, different types of grain, even different varieties of barley or different types mm -hmm. of grain, uh, you know, rye, wheat, uh, whatever uh, uh, people can can dream up and uh, and doing some of these one-off projects, I think is nice. gonna be really, really cool. So, um, what was I gonna say? Do you ever have one of those moments where you, you, you know you want to ask something and all of a sudden it's like squirrel and it's gone? Yeah, I, the train loss is caboose, right? Exactly. <laughs> I was just like, I was about to ask something that was going to be very intuitive and I'm just like, oh. Well, smoke. I can add on to my last thought while you continue. All right, to let's do that. <laughs> so one of the things that really excites me about being a farm slash malt house is the ability to um, to take a project from start to finish. So like if somebody has interest in like a heritage grain or something a little bit different, set aside a plot of land, uh, grow it, harvest it, malt it, and then ultimately send it off to the brewery. So I, I think that's going to be a, a really fun part of the project for us. So what would classify as a, as a heritage grain? Uh, well, there's there are a few different varieties of two-row barley that are pretty like universally used in North America, right? Uh, and there's a few more on the way, but but these would be things I think that um, you really don't see uh, commonly in production agriculture anymore. Um, so, you know, if you can find a grain from, yeah, you know, that was used a hundred years ago, right? And you find a source and, and build that out. And um, so there's a group, um, Sprott Labs in, um, I think they're in Northern Michigan and they've been doing a lot of work on heritage grains and, uh, they actually have a little home malting system as well. That's kind of, that's pretty cool. Oh, nice. But like to love to work with those guys and uh, and just uh, sort of experiment, see what grows well here and what could produce like uh, some, uh, ultimately some pretty interesting beer. Okay, so you were saying that uh, you start you, you started off getting to understand the malting world as, by becoming a home brewer. So yeah. how far down the rabbit hole did you fall when you got, when you got into brewing? Well, I, uh, you know, I, I set myself up from the start with, uh, with a grain father and a couple conical fermenters and, uh, and then just like a, a simple kegerator system. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then I, I just uh, sort of kept building on that. And eventually like our laundry room became a brewery and that brewery <laughs> became like a pub and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then the grain father got a sparge water heater and, and then just so on and so on and so on. So yeah, uh, sounds sounds like my garage. So right now I've got uh three conicals. I have a glycar chiller on the way. Nice. Uh, uh I have got two uh wine fridges in the basement that I use for storage of ingredients and things like that. I have a kegerator, uh more kegs than I know what to do with. And now my <laughs> So my wife's like, so when are we opening the brewery? I said, I'm not opening a brewery. I already have it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Because I, I use like the, I had a robo brew and then I killed it. 
and then uh, I bought a new one, which is actually working really well so far. So okay. hof- hopefully things keep going that way because I can't keep, keep affording to replace gear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not cheap, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, grain followers are a great piece of kit. I mean, f- like f- for what you're spending, it is, it is like a Cadillac. I've got more of like a Pinto. Well, it's a, yeah, it, the, the all-in-one systems I think are really, like, I find they're really great for somebody getting into it. Like mm-hmm. for me getting into it was, uh, it was really great. Like it was kind of, I found it was kind of daunting to get into it. Like, you know, I had some home, home brewer uh, uh, buddies and colleagues and, and, you know, they would talk about it and like, I don't know, like what's sparging or, or what's like a, the technical terms, but actually uh, like it made it really accessible for me. I didn't have to sort of like home craft a bunch of different gear that i didn't really understand in the first place mm-hmm. i could uh you know you could start out and uh and i found like you know if you're careful about what you do you can make some really good quality beer um pretty much right away you might not be able to make the same one twice but you could make some pretty different drinkable beers right that's away. true it's it's all about keeping track of your recipe and your notes and everything yeah, else that's which right. i'm very bad at doing (laughs) i just i just roll with it i'm like if it happens it happens if not it's i'm still gonna drink it but it might not be what i remember so (laughs) yeah i'm a bit of a data geek so (laughs) i kind of like write everything down (laughs) well i'm i I admit i'm a gadget geek so i have two uh tilt tilt hydrometers uh that i drop one into each uh conical and when i'm fermenting and just let it roll and i like that the data gets fed into the software I, I use so you can see what the trend is, how warm it is, how fast it's dropping. So, which is a lot of fun to watch, but sometimes I'm like, well, you know, I really, I just, just want to see it, how active it is and put a blow off tube and just watch it roll and bubble all over the floor. So it's all fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. I would, uh, I would love to come visit and see your setup when we're allowed to do that again. Anytime, man. Anytime. I have more beer than you can shake a stick at. <laughs> right, right now, I'm trying to. Gonna, I'm, I'm trying to give away ten gallons worth of bourbon stout. That becomes a problem, right? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, when it comes time to kiln the actual uh, malt after you've hydrated it, you've done the whole nine yards. How long does it have to kiln for? Does it? Is it a matter of hours? Is it a day? Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be a bit of a learning process uh, for us. Like, I, I, it's a matter of hours, I think, but um, but I think there's a bit of seasonality to that, maybe, mm-hmm. and a bit of like depending on your your grain variety and, and wheat varieties and, and stuff. So I think I think that's something that's going to be a little bit of a you know a, a learning curve for us. Um, you know, we'll have a starting point uh, with Matt's help. And that, and that'll be good. But uh, you know, some close monitoring and uh, and a little bit of trial and error, and and I, I think that's you know like uh, part of the fun of it as well, right? Is the experimentation. And, Absolutely. Uh, so, is everything that's going to be malted going to be coming from your property, or are you going to be bringing in some malt in from other areas? Yeah, we're going to be bringing it in. So we just have uh, we have fifty acres here that's tillable land on our home farm. Um, so. Well, that yeah, might produce somewhere uh, between around 75 tons of, of grain uh, with uh, with one of these systems and we can add two more uh, to it. it. It's modular that way. One of these systems we do in a couple hundred tons a year. Uh, so this year we have, I, I planted uh, 10 acres here of Esma barley, which is a new variety that's designed for our area. Oh, nice. Variety. Yeah. And we, 
planted 80 acres across the road from us and, uh, and my neighbor's farm. And um, we have a couple other farmers growing for us as well. So yeah, that's, that's part of the fun of it too, right? Like for me, because like I have a real passion about agriculture and yep. I love craft brewing and I love home brewing. And this is like the intersection of those, uh, mm. those, those areas. Right? So how long has the, fa the farm been in your family? Is it like a generational farm or? Yeah, it, uh, yeah, it goes back to, I guess, my great grandparents, uh, who, um, who first came out to this, to the farm here. Um, and, uh, they, they were, you know, from, from nearby Carlton place, which is not that far away. And, uh, in any ways they, they moved out to this farm and, uh, it's been in my family ever since. Nice. So this is such a, a niche thing. I mean, and I get it. You're, you're, you're into agriculture, experimentation, everything else, but it is quite the leap to take from doing what you're doing for your normal day job into, into doing this. I mean, how much of a daunting task was it to actually go about and sourcing and figuring everything out? Yeah, it, it was, uh, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of, um, people sort of asked me or they would read our business plan and they would say like, why aren't more people doing this? And uh, my answer is because it's difficult, right? Like it's, uh, it's, a, it's a lot of work. So I think we've probably been like seriously working on this for, you know, five or six years between, you know, like the concept and, and what does that look like? And is there a market? And then how will we finance something like this? And, and then, you know, ultimately sourcing equipment and the build. Um, so it's, uh, it's a big process for sure. But, um, but I think uh, the timing is perfect. Um, you know, in Ontario, uh, there's, you know, Barnell Maltz who does a fantastic job, um, but there's really not too much else in, in the way of craft malts, but, um, we actually um, are able to grow some really good malting barley uh, here, and that's going to continue to get better as we have new varieties. So, um, and of course, our craft brewing scene is just on fire. There's just oh, yeah. so many some breweries around, right? So, the timing is great uh, that way. And then, just for for me personally, it was the right time to start doing something a little bit different too. And uh, and that's um, that's sort of how it came to be, I guess. Yeah. Well, we've got like two new breweries that are opening up in Ottawa, or one is open and one is in the process of opening. Uh, Shiloh Brewing is opening up in Ottawa on Serval Avenue. Uh, right. Then on Saint Laurent Avenue, just above, I believe, Montreal Road, uh, we have Good Prospects Brewing that just opened up. So our beer scene has exploded. So right now, and if I remember right from my beer tour guide days, is that I think right now we've got a total, of, I think, 42 to 45 craft breweries in Ottawa proper alone. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so it's, it's crazy to think about the potential for you to get your product out there. That is like wild. Yeah, like we'll be uh, just a drop in the bucket in terms of um, the malt that craft breweries are using locally. Um, so that's that's kind of cool. And I like, but one of the things that I would love to see is, um, you know, I, like I, I kind of wanted to build this to be a model, right? For others to say like, there's opportunity here. Like, here's how we did it. And I think it's sort of like a, a rising tide lifts all boats kind of scenario, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Kind of like the craft brew industry, not to the same extent, but but similarly, right? Um, as as farmers and as community members, um, 
you know, can we just get things a little bit more local, a little bit more traceable, sustainable? And uh, at the end of the day, you know, maybe we can make better beer. I, I hope that's the case. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So what makes a craft malt? Is it the, the size? Is it what the process? I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, I think it's generally the size. Um, I'm sure somebody has defined it out there uh, somewhere, but I, th I think generally speaking, Dan, yeah, it's the size. Like the process varies so much between um, different malt houses. Like, um, like here in Ontario, there's only, there's really, I think only going to be a couple of us at, at the moment anyways. And in Barn Owl is a floor malting. Ours is a pneumatic malting. Uh, but when you look at North America and especially in the U.S., there's a, uh, there are a lot of craft malt houses uh, uh, there, right? And uh, and just like a real variety of from like home built systems to like you know professionally designed uh, systems in that. So I think it's more the size, and I don't know really where you draw the bar because like again in the U.S. there's some fairly uh, sizable craft malt houses down there uh, too. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's that. And then I wonder if it's also just a little bit about the philosophy and the mentality uh, behind it, um, rather than being sort of production oriented at scale, economies of scale. It's more of a, you know, a, a passion uh, for what you're doing and, a, and, and roots into the, the whole industry and community around you and the whole ecosystem of this sort of beer and brewing, right, from... Mm -hmm. From field to the to ultimately to the glass. Okay, so I've had one of those moments. I can't believe this. This is twice in the same night. Oh. Speechless. Oh, yeah. That's a rare thing that I'm speechless. I tell you that right now. Um, usually, my, my wife usually has to tell me to shut up, so it's all good. <laughs> but no. Um, so, are you planning on trying to? Um, get this into homebrew stores as well, or are you trying to just get it out to the local breweries? Yeah, I'd love to get into homebrew stores and, uh, and even for homebrewers to come out here and visit us on the farm and, and kind of see where it all comes from, uh, check out the facilities. Um, so, uh, but I, but I really like, I think the, the like the homebrew scene is, um, like, I, I think that's a real uh, valuable, valuable source of critical feedback, right? Because, um, and, and I, of course, I'm not a professional brewer, so I have no idea, but I, I have the idea that home brewers may have like flexibility that professional brewers don't always have in terms of experimentation mm -hmm. and, and, um, and do just doing some crazy small batch stuff, right? And, and, and trying things out. Um, that, um, that could be like really great source of feedback for us and, and yeah. ultimately help us develop some really cool, like larger scale projects. Yeah. Not a lot of the craft breweries that I've seen in the area have uh, pilot systems. So yeah. I mean, I'm trying to convince the guys at Stray Dog that they need a pilot system, even if it's only like maybe a 10 gallon system, just get something yeah. where you can do experiments with for, for potential recipes to see what you want to do that way you can say well i want to try this malt I want to try this malt from this producer or that producer and then you have an idea of what you want now yeah. my my big question is is why did you go with your you said mnemonic system vice floor malting yeah like well for me because um uh you know my wife and I are kind of like in our mid forties when we're making this change. And I, I you know, 
hear Devin and, and how he, he wakes up in the morning and shovels over his malt. And then in the evening, he, he does it again. And I'm thinking, well, I might be able to do that today, but I don't know if I can do that in the long term. The, the uh, aches and pains of getting older. Yes, yeah, I know all right. about yeah, that. I don't recommend it, actually. <laughs> the alternative is worse, I suppose. So. <laughs> uh so that so that was part of it it was like part partly labor um partly just um like the um the like how controllable the systems are in terms of getting consistency and uh, quality um and and then partly scalability because uh like with this system it's you know we have a relatively modest footprint here we're starting out with a system that does you know three to three and a half tons a week uh, we can triple that production uh, by just dropping two more systems in here uh, if and as the market develops. So um, it was uh, sort of like all those factors coming together that it just seemed to be the right answer for us. Nice, 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 nice. Ah, man, I, I, I just keep looking at all that nice gear behind you and I just get so jealous because I'm always like, I think that's every kid's dream is to have something like this in the beer world that you can call your own i mean be it you want to you go and you go from home brewer to pro brewer or from home brewer to maltster or to yeast producer it's it to me it's it's an amazing thing i mean i went from being a home brewer to not being a home brewer back into being a home brewer mainly because yeah. i got i got inspired to get back into it from where I'm working. So I'm assuming there was somebody who inspired you or something that inspired you to get into this. Well, I, I guess like, um, you know, my, I, my family have always been entrepreneurs, um, you know, from, uh, you know, my aunt who had a, you know, a, a little store in town and my, my, my dad and my, his brothers who ran a farm machinery dealership here in the farm for quite a number of years. Um, so there was part of that. I think I just wanted to sort of fall in that tradition, maybe subconsciously in a way. I've always had a love for business and that's how I got into sort of the accounting gig uh, as well. And uh, I love the idea of like, you know, building something for, you know, my family, for our community, um, for a larger brewing community. Uh, so I, I think it's just all of that played into it a little bit, um, Dan, and, uh, and um, that maybe is what ultimately drove getting back into farming as well. And, and this is sort of just another step, right, uh, uh, forward. So. Yeah. Well, right now, I think you're coming into the scene at the right time, because not only with, say, like craft breweries, like, say, like someone the size of, say, like Bose or something else like that, excuse me, it's the demand for what your product is, is going through the roof. I mean, I know where we are. Um, my boss, Justin, who's uh, one of the owners, but also our head brewer, he's putting in a malt order almost in almost every two and a half, three weeks to make sure that we are have enough when it comes to do two and three batches of beer back to back. So I think yeah, like, yeah. time. it's really good to hear that. <laughs> but uh like they, yeah, I mean, the, the amount of malt that we, we use in the Ottawa Valley is just incredible. Um, you know, like, uh, like a single, a, a single brewery will, well, and of course, you know, like there's, you know, there's very different scales in terms of craft yeah. breweries even, even here, but, uh, you know, a, a moderate sized craft brewery would, 
we'll use more than we can produce essentially um, here in this well, so. a lot of them are like 15 barrel brew houses so i know with stray dog we have we just got a bunch of new tanks so we have two seven barrel fermenters two 30 barrel fermenters and two 15 barrel fermenters so yeah. all in all that's 60 15 that's 90 plus 14 so you're looking at 104 barrels worth of beer that we can produce in that place so wow. so yeah we burn through sacks of grain like it's you're, you're drinking water but i think if it was something like what you're producing we would probably use that in the smaller tanks just so we can get the most out of it because i got a feeling if we went on a large scale we would have to use so much of it the cost of trying to recoup for using it would push the beer to a point where you're like i may just keep this for myself type of thing <laughs> <laughs> because well, trying to get someone to pay like 20 dollars for for a for a can of beer would be kind of kind of crazy yeah that's right there may not be too many of those customers right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, we'll see how it plays out. Like, um, you know, like our uh, malting costs uh, may be a little bit higher. It's hard to know before you're operating exactly how mm -hmm. it's going to play out. Like you can do all the financial forecasts and models you want, but, uh, you know, how much uh, uh, natural gas are we really going to use or electricity? Exactly. It's hard to know, but, uh, but our delivery costs will be less, I would imagine. And so, you know, maybe it, uh, maybe it all kind of plays out so that it's, um, you know, if not cost neutral, not, um, not too crazy, but, um, but uh, the other thing that I love about like uh, the Ottawa Valley and where we are and the amount of malt uh, that uh, brewers use is that um, it actually, I think, creates a pretty significant demand for specialty malts, right? And maybe that's ultimately where we add more value. We'll see, but. Um, yeah, especially, that... especially malts are a great thing. I mean, two, don't get me wrong. Two of my favorite base malts, Pilsner and, uh, and Turo, two of my favorites because I burn through it like water. Yep. But when it comes to certain types of English beers that I love making, uh, I usually burn through like nine pounds of Marisotter. So, oh yeah, like I I always have like a fifty pound five pound bag of Marisotter, uh, Pilsner, and Pale Ale malt around in the in the brewery, right? Because yeah. we, we just go through that like crazy. Uh, and I'd like, I think it'd be kind of cool to see if we could source out a, a, a grain that grows locally that would be like a Maris Otter, uh, just like a really nice, nice uh, flavorful base malt. And, yeah. So uh, are there different types of, um, I guess, not every grain that you grow go can, can make the same malt? Do you need different barley or wheat or whatever else to make certain types of specialty malts or just basic malts? Yeah, like, so um, uh, I guess the answer is yes. Uh, yes, but it's complicated, <laughs> maybe. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. so, uh, a lot of it is, a lot of it comes down to process. So I guess at the very basic level, there's two row uh, barley and, and six row barley. I mean, yeah. uh, there, there's others as well, but those are principally it, right? And, and it just, um, it, it just sort of uh, refers to the configuration of, of the grain on the heads of the barley, but um, but but the, the the grains themselves are are actually different as well, right? And um, so six-row barleys uh, typically um, have a lot more enzyme potential, so a lot higher diastatic power. Um, but um, they're also a smaller kernel size, um, and there's 
uh, some uh, literature out there that suggests that um, they may have higher precursors to DMS as well. So you need to boil a little bit longer and, and just uh, take some care like that. And some literature out there uh, suggests that uh, maybe they don't have such good flavor development as the two rows, but you see them a lot in, in big commercial uh, brewing where they're using adjuncts because they have that enzyme power to convert the adjuncts, right? And you see it in distilling for the same reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've, I actually have, um, uh some six row here that i want to try just nice. just to, right just just to try it out so we're going to give that a try and then so then two row is the other variety and that's what most of us craft uh, brewers use and uh, so there's a bunch of different strains of two row so here in ontario uh, traditionally it's been a new dale and metcalf have been the two uh that are growing mm -hmm. and uh and if you're malting then you'll turn that into you know pilsner pale ale vienna crystals like whatever right um so it's it's kind of like uh it's not that new dales used for one thing and metcalf for another it's um they're they're fairly interchangeable uh, that way and um then at west you see stuff like synergy and copeland and, and uh, some of those varieties yeah oh, okay well that's awesome so what are you working on for uh, for beer then as seeing as you you mentioned you're a home brewer you got anything you're working away on well, yeah, I, I am. It's a little bit of a pet project. Um, so uh, my uh, neighbor across the road that I farm with, uh, he's he's a truck driver too. And and, and I, I think the story was that he has this gear shift knob out of his like original tractor trailer and it's a 13 speed gear shift. And I, oh, wow. I don't know anything about trucking, but apparently that's something special. So he it's wanted, rare. he like blonde ale. I think that's right. So he wants a, a blonde ale and he wants to call it 13 speed. So that's nice. so we're on the third iteration of, of 13 speed uh, right now and uh right to, on but uh but after that i think maybe a black logger or something like that like ah, might be uh, right time on. To, to switch it up a little bit so yeah, yeah. yeah how about you what do you got on the go so uh, like i said before i got a, a berliner vice working away right now uh tomorrow is is brew day and I'm going to be using my uh, new fermenter that I just got from uh, from Spike Brewing. Hello, Ooh, Spike. Nice. Yeah, I got a Flex Plus, so I'm all ex it's all cleaned out and sanitized. So I'm all excited to get in, get beer into it. But I'm going to do something because was it last February? I spent the month of February in Scotland, and I was there to learn how to be a golf caddy. So this is before the lockdown happened. Yeah, I had everything all lined up. I was once I was done, I was going to come home for for a couple months. Then I was going to go back to Scotland for like three or four, and and caddy, earn some money, and then come home again. And but lockdown happened, so I kind of got my ass kicked on that. But yeah. one of the beers I was enjoying a lot when I was there was called Bell Haven's Best. Okay, which is a very nice light. It's a nice amber, nice multi flavor, but very light on the ABV. Okay. which is which makes having more than one not so bad <laughs> yeah yeah i like those beers a lot oh yeah i mean some of the beers i make are like between six and seven so if i have i have one i'm like okay i'm good for the night yeah. have more than that and you're like it's sleepy time <laughs> <laughs> you're, the, you're you're sitting i'm sitting on the couch i'm not even halfway through the second one and i'm like oh, falling asleep and i'm getting like the poke go to bed go to bed <laughs> so I'm like okay i get it so i i enjoy the don't get me wrong a, a nice robust bourbon stout or 
uh, a, or a sour or something like that, I'll have one and, and I'm good, but I, and I enjoy it. And I think when beers hit that high of an ABV, if you're trying to have more than one, you're an extremely young person because when you hit like me, cause I'm turning 50, trust me, it, it doesn't, it doesn't go so well. <laughs> I'm starting to see signs of that. Yeah. <laughs> So do, do you have any more projects that you got geared up for the actual shop uh, to make sure you're ready to open? Is there anything that you need to do? Uh, we're pretty well there. We got we have a little bit of work left to do on our bagging line. Um, and otherwise, we're uh, I've got to bring grain here to the home farm and load our silo. But that's not such a big deal. And uh, we're, we're ready to hit the go button, basically. We're just waiting for our friends at TSSA to give us the green light. Uh, yes. And, uh, and then it's all, all hands on deck. Nice. Well, I think that's, that's, that's everything we could possibly cover, I think, unless there's something you want to share with us. No, I mean, that's, uh, that's really it. Really looking forward to getting out there and, and meeting some more of the brewers and meet, meeting the home brewers. And uh, mm-hmm. that's part of the job that I think uh, I'm looking forward to most is just... Uh, yeah, the collaborative nature of, of this industry, right? When Orleans is, can have their home brew of their, their uh, craft beer festival, you should come down to that, bring up a bring a stand set up, and you can show everybody what you do. Count me in. I'll be there. Awesome. Yeah. So we're going to say thanks for right now. And uh, guys, this is Dean with Mississippi Mills Malting Company. And like I said before, I'm extremely excited to see this open because – I'm going to be like a kid in the candy store because I'm going to go and see him whenever I can and get what I can out of him. And in return, give him as much beer as I can, which is a fair, fair shake. So Dean, thank you very much for being on the show. It is greatly appreciated. Your time is appreciated. Very. I'm like, I'm tongue tied how excited I am. I wish you the best of luck. Please stay in touch with us. And uh, we will be touching base later on down the line. Thanks so much, Dan. Come out and visit as soon as we're allowed to again. Absolutely. So, guys, thanks a lot for coming along for the ride and a beer or two along the way. I'm Dan, and we got Dean with Mississippi Mills and Malting Company, and we'll see you on the other side. Mm-hmm.